Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of This Game Where, with me, Ashley, and... Me, Chris. Hello, Ashley. Yay! Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I always say that every episode. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Do you? That's yeah. all right. Why break, why break with tradition? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Yep. Great. That's that's that conversation over then. It's fine. It's not what we're here for. Uh, we're back. We're going back into lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Well, my games catalogue has been creeping back up again. So in a way, it's quite nice from that point of view to hopefully... You don't have anyone coming around to disturb your gaming. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. Fair. Fair. What about you? Totally fair. We've carried on basically the way that we have been. I counted yesterday with Hannah how many people I actually see on a weekly basis in person. And it can sometimes just be Hannah. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't realise until yesterday, but yeah, really. So the other people are Hannah's mum and dad, if we go around there and we don't always on a weekly basis. And then the delivery guy whenever I go shopping. Right. So. So you're some sort of little hermit then? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Best way at the minute though, isn't it? Well, Enjoy continues to be a hermit. Yeah. And I see you obviously on a, every Sunday, but not in person. Those are the in-person people. Lockdown 2, this time it's personal. Lockdown 2, Judgment Day. Well, that's more like it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah unfortunately we'll see we'll see what happens so dark dark times ahead this may be the winter of our discontent yeah it does feel like it it does give you more time to play games i actually saw somebody on facebook that was basically what they said they they said i guess it's back to the playstation and 80 percent of my wages <laughs> so a slightly well, upbeat way of looking at it i guess every cloud day eh? yeah yeah. I'm trying to add some levity to the situation because uh, if I actually sit and think about it, it just depresses me. So that's why I'm being quite blase about it. Yeah, you don't have to explain yourself. It's fine. So uh, we are here to play a game. Yeah, right. We're back to business, are we? We are. Yeah. Right. So would you like me to tell you what the game is? I would. Yes, please, sir. Okie dokie. Are you ready then? Yes, sir. It's this game where you are one of many plebs dropped onto a lush and vibrant alien world in the hopes of discovering something habitable for humanity. You are tasked with exploring and collecting resources in order to, one, enable you to traverse a little bit more, and two, get the hell off this rock. Any ideas? Not the foggiest, but it sounds quite nice. It's brilliant. It's really good. It sounds you fun. You should know, because you've bought it. You you own this game. It's also, I should have say it said maybe, so we did say when we came back off lockdown one that we could drop in new games whenever we see fit yeah and actually i was thinking the other day that we haven't actually done that we've just continued to well i'm doing it now yeah good call because you know it's about time i think i've guessed what the game is now you said that okay what do you think it's journey to the savage planet yes it is yeah yeah so you've got this game well i got this game on your recommendation and then just didn't play it so this will yep. be quite, <laughs> quite a nice opportunity to actually play it well i'm not saying that i'm trying to do you a favor but i am doing you a favor because this game is phenomenal like one of my favorite games of this year right based on what what makes it so amazing everything it's it is a, it's a really well-made game everything about it so one of the things that i did in preparing for this because i've been playing this i don't tend to read reviews too much in preparation for recording this game seems a bit marmite it seems like that there are people that love it and there are people that hate it. And I've only found this out in preparing for this. I just wondered okay. what people were thinking of it. 
and the first few review I read was a three-star review from The Guardian. It said that it's it's a game that's made up of all of, of pieces of other games, that it's taken things... Okay. That it's just a magpie, that the game is a magpie and that it's taken all these different mechanics and aesthetics from other games and, and thrown them together and that it's n- not that great. It's very mediocre. They've got a point in so much as the game is, uh, is like a collection of things from other games but then every single game is pretty much a collection of things from other games and if you've i mean all creative mediums tend to tend to be full of magpies you know everyone's borrowing things from each other and yeah, of course game creators are no exception you wouldn't you wouldn't have a genre if everyone did everything uniquely yeah. for every single game or book or whatever because genres hang on things be on similarities mm-hmm. so yeah i was i was quite taken aback by that review because it just didn't chime with what i was experiencing myself so what is it before you go any further then what is the game yeah, what's the gameplay what's oh, the that's plot? a really good question yeah <laughs> so the game the game then is you get dropped off on this planet by a company called kindred and kindred are the fourth best exploration company or something like that in the in the galaxy well that's something i remember you saying when you were raving about this game and i bought it you kept saying how funny it is so i mean straight away you saying that i was smiling at that so yeah yeah and that's another thing that got knocked by this reviewer i'm not going to go i'm not going to mention the guardian review again i just thought it was quite interesting as a counterpoint to what i'm about to do which is probably gush about this game uh, hard so you dropped off on this planet and you have no idea what to expect but you your ship breaks down when you've landed on this planet as well so you come out of your ship and you're immediately greeted by this hostile fair well it seems quite hostile because you you're in this like snow covered crater and there's a cave ahead of you you are going to the cave and that's where the hostility is dispelled because the first thing that you come across is what they call in game a puffer bird and it's this tiny little football shaped chicken for all intents and purposes that hops around and mews right makes this makes these really innocuous sounds and it's about as harmless as it can possibly be and then the game asks you to slap it oh and you it's funny uh the way the game sets that up is a lot funnier than me just saying you have to slap a an Mm. innocent bird but now that i'm saying out loud it does sound quite heinous (laughs) it's the subversiveness yeah yeah oh look look at this cute innocent thing it sounds really bad the way that i'm saying no it, no but that's, it's that's the not comedy. it's really not so is it a third person first person is it a shooter is it exploration what sort of i was getting there i was getting All right. there. i'm just chipping you along <laughs> so to suit your needs it's a first person exploratory game okay thank you okay now i've got a list christopher great again to suit your needs the right. things that you need from this podcast i've made a list and i am going to go through the list but i'm not going to do it point by point i'm just going to hit mm. on certain things disappointing just off the bat there are six things that i'm going to talk about that i really like about the game and the first one is that you get this world to explore you get this planet to explore is the conceit in the game it's like a vertical slice of of a planet as opposed to giving you an entire planet Right. You're actually on these floating islands and the islands have different biomes on them. Okay. And it literally is very vertical because it's a it's like a tower of land and then each area has its own unique feel. So where you start off, you've got this tundra like space and then you've got elsewhere you've got like this place this area that is the terrain the geography of it is largely dictated by the fact that there's acidic elements to it and then again part a big part of the game you've got flora and fauna that live in each of these places so i've mentioned the puffer bird first the puffer bird is this defenseless little chicken thing but then as you progress through the game you get different variations on the puffer bird so you'll get a cave dwelling puffer bird 
and you'll get a an alpha puffer bird, which is a little bit more hostile than the regular puffer birds. Right. And if you shoot them too many times, they explode. Great. Um, so there's like variation. There's variants on, on each of those. Then there are actual hostile. So there's predators and there's prey. So the predators are actual hostile. If you get in, into their view, you will get attacked. Right. One of them, again, in terms of humor, is like a muscle-bound frog. Right that likes to stomp on you so yeah i again i saw that i found it quite funny and the idea then is that you've got this vertical slice vertical slice for anyone that doesn't know is, a, is an industry term that they use to describe what they how they pitch games so like if you're if you're tra- going in to try and sell a game to a publisher you will create a vertical slice of what the game is is going to be and you might have a little bit from levels earlier on and then a bit from the middle and a bit from the end to try and give people a taste and this game genuinely feels like a really well put together vertical slice that has then been polished up and fleshed out uh, to such an extent that it's a complete game i'm going to explain that because i didn't really understand what that was and i just kept thinking of a a burger yeah it's not a burger it's more like a cake okay every tier has a different flavor every tier is delicious yeah i genuinely think so I think every tier of this game is delicious. So yeah, you're tasked with exploring this world. And one of the pieces of information you will gather is the different types of flora, the different types of fauna on the island. And you do that in classic style by scanning them. Now, I could name I could name 10 games probably off the top of my head. Yeah. Please don't task me with it. But <laughs> uh, where you do that, one big, big one, but not the first. And this will hopefully highlight how ridiculous it is to complain about a game that magpies in the way that this game has one game where you you are tasked with scanning the flora or fauna is breath of the wild yeah that was the first one that jumps to my mind when you mentioned that yeah so the the scanning system you're not taking photos but it's similar to that in a lot of ways it's also similar to no man's sky you know like in that you won't necessarily know because i bet you haven't played that i haven't it shares a lot of aesthetic similarities to no man's sky as well but also that system is present in No Man's Sky, the idea of scanning things, scanning different animals, scanning different plants, okay. and trying to catalogue all of the stuff on the planet. But it's it's a thing that's in lots of different games and has been for a long, long time. It makes it its own. It's as polished as any scanning system I've ever come across. So is that the point of the game uh, then, to, to catalogue everything? That's one of the points. Yeah, right. so one of the points is to catalogue all of the flora and fauna. So another aspect of the game is that you're trying to fix your ship. So you're trying to get fuel cells to make sure that you can get back off the planet so these fuel cells are hidden around the world and you have to try and find them but they're quite literally hidden so you're sort of having to find your way through every nook and cranny of these little areas to try and make sure that you're not leaving anything unfound Mm -hmm. and that actually is part of a larger system which they they term secrets so this planet that you have landed on you are supposed to be seeing if it's fit for human habitation. They sent you there thinking that it was uninhabited. But actually, when you come out into the world, you find that there are these artifacts that have been left behind by Ooh. a previous... Exactly. Mm. Intriguing. And that... in So intrigue is point three on the... Uh, <laughs> On my list, so... On the scale. It builds this... It, I really like it when games do this. I really like it when you get little, little like... Crumbs. Breadcrumbs. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, right the, at the beginning. The one that's jumping to, to my mind, which I think we have talked about before, is Hollow Knight, where the yeah, plot exactly. is never spelled out for you, but when yeah. where the plot is hinted at, but never laid out it's in, in crystal clear. It's never too explicit, is no. it? No. No, exactly. And it allows your brain to fill in some of the gaps, which is nice. Which I think it's very, it treats you as a, a grown-up, doesn't it? It treats you with that yeah. level of maturity, which I like. Just in terms of mm. the, the habitation thing, I'm 
reading a book at the moment called Notes from an Apocalypse about a, it's a journalist who is going around looking at how different people are preparing. It came out earlier this year, but um, it's how people are preparing for the end of the world. And one of the examples he gives in the book is an international pandemic, but you know, other other situations as well. But the chapter I read last night was where he went to a conference in, uh, I think it's in Los Angeles, uh, of of people who were looking at colonising Mars. Yes. And he listened to a talk from two scientists who were talking, I found this fascinating, a talk from two, two scientists who were talking about if, let's say, we were successful at colonising Mars, what would happen to children that were born on Mars? Because as they develop, their bodies aren't used, our bodies have evolved to the gravity and the mm. uh, atmosphere, etc. Of, of Earth. And how would they cope, how growing up on Mars? Yeah, and I, I found it so interesting. physiological changes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of intricacy that people won't necessarily have thought out. When we talk about people being on Mars by 2022 or whatever the latest aspiration was from SpaceX and whatnot, without getting too bogged down in into this, and, and this is probably going to end up off mic, but... Um, the panic pandemic is a perfect example of people being unable to pass anything that isn't their lived reality. Mm-hmm. And also how restricted we are in sort of looking to the future and being able to be comfortable with looking f- more than a few months ahead, which causes all sorts of problems. It's why people get into debt and whatnot, because mm-hmm. they just can't, they can't look too far ahead. And there, there's so many people that as soon as July rolled around and all this lockdown stuff came out, it like went out the window, they thought that was the end of it. The idea that this could, like the Spanish flu, last for three years or more, just won't, people wouldn't be able to process that no. if you put it to them because they don't have any real long-term view. Hmm. It's just not something that humans are very good at on a wide scale. Yeah, so when you talk about something as alien, literally alien as, as living on Mars, people's brains can't cope with it. They have a certain novel idea of what that is that's maybe based on sci-fi. Yeah, and that's what but the book was saying that, is that, you know, yeah, the novelty of living on Mars and yeah, for a short time that would be great, but longer term if people you know raise generations on mars actually it's not feasible so there's a hell of a lot of adaptation that would need to happen in terms of not just physiological evolutionary adaptation but in terms of a uh, sort of mindset yeah the psychological side of it yeah the idea of breeding on mars uh, is a whole other angle that i mean i i don't doubt that people in spacex will be thinking about that nasa will be thinking about that sort of thing but anyone that's gone yeah i'm gonna go to mars i'm gonna apply they won't have thought of, no, not of that all. sort of thing so yeah all very interesting i've written that down that book i'm going to give it a read hmm. so thank you for that i've also well, written down homo machina which we we're talking about prior to the podcast starting so good stuff we're i'm making a list checking it twice so the idea of exploring the planet and actually looking at what was there that sounds quite interesting to me as well yeah so it's not quite the level of other games again where you sort of come across it's more obvious everything's more obvious and the the game builds a whole exploratory system around it so this idea of secrets so the fuel cells that you need to power your ship they are secrets that you can find and every so often it will say secret nearby and you will know that there's one in the vicinity and if you look around with enough attention so is this a collectathon then yeah there's a there's an element yeah so the things the things you can collect Orange goos. So there's a hundred orange goos. And the orange goos are these little orange balls of goo. goo, Yeah. That are native to the planet that you're on. And they grow all over the place. There's a hundred of them for you to find. And each each time you find a collection of them, you get some extra health and stamina. Right. So it starts off every time you collect three, you get some 
you level up your health and your stamina. After you've collected, say, 30, it'll go to four. Every time you get four, you need you get more health and stamina. And then 50 every time you collect five and so on until you've got all 100. So it's incentivizing the collecting, but also making it... Part of the system. Yeah. But the, again, that's what the Guardian Review said, the, the scaling up there is very similar to the Breath of the Wild, where it was oh, yeah, the, 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 uh, the shrines... Yeah that you collected the orbs and was it that orbs? you had to later on the game no I'm misremembering that aren't I it's you're the- talking about coax season yeah. and, and weapon yeah. slots where it takes one and then two and then yeah. exponentially yeah. goes up and up and up um, costs more and more and more it's a little bit like that but again it's it. this is the thing that people need to understand and certainly a reviewer for the Guardian needs to understand is that other games do that there are very very few experiences that are brand new that are completely brand new totally isolated from all of the games everything in it is new what you tend to find is that they take these systems that have existed elsewhere and they finesse them they create them within their own systems absolutely and marry them with other systems in their game to create something new and that's what i am trying to argue savage planet does so it's a vertical slice of a planet it's an exploratory game which builds intrigue which is one of the elements that i really like before we play it i just want to say about how novel it is so i've mentioned that in in reference to something else but this game and it's something that again that i really like you are given something new over a short period of time so there are short intervals between every each new thing to find and that's something the novelty side of it is something that then gets you into it yeah it's a massive driver and for an exploration game being able to find new things on a regular basis is something that make that creates a level of enjoyment for me personally and i think it uh, makes a good exploration game mm, as well because if you are one of the criticisms of no man's sky when no man's sky came out was that yes you can go from planet to planet but by and large i'm finding the same things or slight ever so slight variations on the same things what i feel like savage planet has done with what it's borrowed from no man's sky is it's taken the alienness of some of the planets that you find in no man's sky and it has applied it really really well to small areas within the same planet within the same vertical slice of this planet and then it has put them all together in such a uh, such a tight packed space that it becomes one dense with novelty so you constantly coming across new things and interesting things and fun things as well and two makes it really easy moving from one to the other mm-hmm. um and and backtracking because backtracking is often a uh, like a big thing in exploration games backtracking doesn't feel too onerous because you've got you're never really too far away from anything to the point where at a certain point in the game you can be very 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 high up and there will be one of the other biomes way 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 below you and one very legitimate way to get from one biome that's high up to one biome that's down below is to jump right <laughs> and instead it, it can be it can be meet, hundreds of meters away from you and if it was red dead it would take you a couple of minutes to get there or whatever but in this game you can just jump and you can plummet down to it and that's a legitimate way of moving across this world i guess it's less is more no man's sky it, gave you the more but it was just not particularly interesting from what at you've the said time, i don't want to deride no man's sky because i one i was one of what seemed like at the time a minority of people that really really enjoyed the first iteration of no man's sky where i bought it on the day it came out and i played it non-stop for a couple of weeks and really loved going from planet to planet to planet finding new things but i know that it wasn't everyone's cup of tea and i know that there were 
possibly legitimate concerns with what it was doing. However, No Man's Sky now is a completely different thing to right. what it was okay. even then. And it is really delivering on what it wanted to deliver. So two things before, because I've mentioned No Man's Sky. I haven't mentioned Spore. But one of the things that I think it borrows from Spore is... Did you ever play Spore? No, not at all. So Spore is... Well, I think we mentioned it last week in our in our PopCap thing because it was an EA game. We were talking about the DRM that Spore used. So Spore is a game where you create your own creature. It has a creature creation system. You create this weird yeah, creature and then you familiar. evolve it and you evolve it. And yeah. the creatures were all a bit zany and a little bit silly. And uh, one of the things, again, that No Man's Sky was criticised for was that it, it had these trailers where there were these really immense looking, amazing looking, procedurally generated creatures. And then when you got into it, everything was a little bit cockeyed and a little bit wrong. And it was like the most astounding thing you'd come across is a, an eight foot chicken dinosaur still pretty astounding to be fair well everything was a little bit derpy is maybe a way to put it (laughs) right because everything was being procedurally generated and they had these bounds for everything you know on the algorithms they could say oh it has long long legs or short legs or something in between and so on everything was coming out a little bit more derpy than people were expecting this game this game takes spore and takes what i think people didn't like about No Man's Sky, and it makes it into an asset. All of the animals, all of at least the prey animals, are a little bit derpy. Great. Case in point, one of my favourite animals in this... No, in fact, I'll tell you that in the second half, because I want... You will come across my favourite animal within the time that you play this game. Okay. And it is just amazing. It's, It's a fantastic animal. Before we start playing then, who... What is the name of the developer of this game? That's a good question. So this is Typhoon Studios, and it was published by 505 Games. Typhoon Studios has an interesting story, if slightly short, because they only came together in 2017, but we'll get into that in the second half. Okay. Okay? So now is the time to play. Right. The Savage Planet is amazing, isn't it? It's pretty damn good, yeah, definitely. Yes, good. So you we you played it for about an hour. I w- I would have thought yeah, probably around about an hour. And yeah. I did say I think in the first half. I don't know whether I said this in the first half, but an hour is enough. I'd played it an hour before I was texting you saying get on this game because it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. So what was your first hour like? How did you feel about it? Well, I once carol playing it rather than talking to you uh which might be indicative of our relationship and friendship yeah i would say (laughs) probably this game is is a slice of me it's it's great like it's which is one things you said about when when you recommended to me like things i like in games this has got all of them it's got exploration which i really like in games it's got elements of hollow knight the metroidvania sharon we've mentioned a few times in yeah, other episodes has, yeah. and actually you haven't quite got into the i was going to bring up metroidvania anyway because we didn't quite talk about it in the first half this game has like an upgrade system where you can get new items that you can then use to to help you to get new places which is metroidvania style game design um so yeah it goes even a little bit further than you you've experienced already 
I was thinking as well the the fact that I died at one point and then had to go back and collect my items, which is Hollow Knight. Yeah, so there's an element of Hollow Knight. That's sort yeah. of a Dark Soulsy sort of thing as well. So yeah, it's borrowing from other games, but it's then bringing those systems together to create something new. And I think it, it hangs together very very well. All of those things that maybe yeah, are, are disparate systems, they they push them together and they hang them very very well off a, off a great skeleton. One of the things that I think underpins the brilliance of the game is its visuals. Well, the visuals, the, the last game I wanted to reference was Ratchet & Clank. So I mm. used to be really into Ratchet & Clank games and the the scale and scope and range of planets you explored in all of those games. Like, I started off this game today, you start off in this tundra and then you go through into this, is it a valley, I think it was called, where you had these cherry yeah. blossom trees and these really bright neon blue branches that were coming out of the ground and it reminds me of a level from Ratchet & Clank not just a specific one but just the the atmosphere of a Ratchet & Clank game which for me is yeah. another great cornerstone because they're great I didn't play the PlayStation 2 Ratchet & Clank games right, but okay. the PlayStation 3 ones I've played a lot of and I think that what they did very well was create Alien Worlds so mm. I'm presuming that's what you're sort of Definitely, uh, yeah. referring to yeah I, and I, in that case, then, I would agree. And actually, that comes back to something that I wanted to pick up on as well. The design of this game from top to bottom is brilliant. I talked about the creatures and how the creature design, I think, was influenced by No Man's Sky and the slightly zany outcomes of the algorithms that were at play there. Yeah. And also Spore, which is a, the EA game where you were tasked with creating your own strange creature and then evolving it. Mm-hmm. Right up and right up to like intergalactic, interstellar travel, and I think actually it's it's worth mentioning now. So one of the questions that you asked me at the end of the first half was who developed it and whatnot. So the developer is, is Typhoon Studios, and they were founded in 2017. One of the uh, founders is Alex Hutchinson, who people okay. might actually know recent, more recently, um, from his controversial tweet where he don't know if we talked about this i certainly talked to you about it where he said very recently that streamers should pay a license to to be allowed to stream games that they should pay a fee to companies of the games that they stream right which then everyone kicked off about but that's not what we're talking about here and it has no bearing he created this studio this is their first game he particularly worked at ea and was lead designer on spore Right, okay. And you can see it in the game. You can see it in the game. They've taken what was maybe not quite as a polished creature creator and they've they've polished it up for purposes here uh, to create things that are really amazing, like the puffer birds. Not the best. They're fairly mundane. But my favourite character, the babushka. Yeah. You encountered a babushka? What did you think to a babushka? So it's a little two-headed creature that uh, you shot it and... Then it splits into two smaller creatures, and then you shot one of them again, it splits into two smaller creatures, which, you know, gives you the name Babushka. It makes complete sense, but. They run around screaming in a high pitched, a high pitched wail. So, like a shrill. You're more likely to hear them coming before mm. you see them coming. And I like the, I can't remember what the effect's called, but you know that race car effect where it. Doppler. It sort of, yeah, the Doppler effect of, of hearing a Babushka coming from left uh, to right as it passes you yeah. by. I, I just think they they make... I've been playing the game for a while now and they still make me laugh every time I come across one. During my playthrough, you were sort of tinkering about at your end and you were listening in and you could hear it and you said, oh, there's one over there. But I hadn't even noticed. I could just hear the ambient yeah. noises. So you're tuned in to, to hearing the individual animals by now. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah, and that'll start to come 
for you as well. One of the things that struck me, so I, I've been talking in the first half about how uh, you come across new things over and over again. And it's just this world that is packed full, packed tight with with new experiences and new things to encounter. Did you get that impression? Yeah, definitely. It reminds me a lot of Arkham Asylum because of how you've got this relatively small map that's just so tightly packed in so in the area i was exploring just now i didn't mention to you while i was playing i found this this door that i scanned it came up with this thing about because the the door closed when you got near to it so i scanned it it came with this thing about how or maybe there might be something nearby to help you stop it from doing this so Mm. i'm guessing maybe there'll be something a lot later in the game that i can then return back to and do that and i also saw off the platform further up a thing that I'm guessing I can get a grapple hook later on in the game that I can then get up to these areas. So I'm already logging, right, these things I need to come back yeah. to. And that's exactly what Arkham Asylum had for me. And when I first played Arkham Asylum uh, 10 years ago now, I was so into that game. And mm. I'm, starting, I, I'm, I'm getting the same vibes from this completely. Yeah. So it's interesting that you say that. So I've actually got that written down. It's one one of the things that I wanted to allude to. Okay. Because it's it I, I tried to explain that it all takes place in this quite dense I said it was a vertical slice of a planet, didn't I? And it you did. it literally is. It's, it's like yeah. It's a tower and each part of the tower has a different feel to it. So there are different biomes that you move to uh, to and from. And each one is packed full of, of things to do and things to find. And that is exactly I, I feel like it has taken inspiration from Arkham Asylum. Because that took place on this tiny island. It was so, you know, you were moving, you're moving meter by meter that there was just things. Every square yeah, meter of definitely. that island was packed dense with things to do and things to find. Well, even the main gameplay mechanic of Savage Planet is this scanning mode, which I said to you straight away yeah. made me think of detective mode in Arkham Asylum. Yeah, yeah. You, you mean in terms of the way that it's actually implemented visually? Yeah, it and has also, like a vector graphics sort of yeah. v- X-ray style look to it, doesn't it? Yeah, and then the fact that you're using this scan thing. I mean, the main thrust of the game is to scan things left, right, and centre, but you might mm. use it to scan to find things that are useful to help your traversal of the the area, which yeah. is what Detective Mode was in Arkham Asylum. So you mentioned the proton. No, you didn't. You mentioned the grappling hook. I did, yes. Now I know you to some extent, slightly. I'd hope so by now. Yeah, I know you like Ghostbusters. I do, yes. The grappling hook in this game is called the Proton Tether. Does that right. ring any bells? Proton Pack. Yes, yeah. So this game, one of the th- I'm li- I'm using this as a segue to talk about something that you raised while we while you were playing. Okay. The grappling hook is the Proton Tether, and actually, I think I'm pretty certain that it's a reference to the Ghostbusters films because the Proton Tether is like this laser beam sort of thing that looks pretty certainly like the proton uh, pack beam that comes out of, of a proton pack in, uh, in Ghostbusters. Great. So, yeah. Just when I thought I couldn't like this game anymore. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah. And the reason that I'm bringing that up is because of one I wanted to tell you, because I thought it would warm you to the game. But also, one of the things that you mentioned is that the way that the kin- the way Kindred, the, the pretend company... And the way that the ship makes you feel, it, it sort of puts you in mind of Red Dwarf, is mm. one of the things that you said. Yeah, the feel of the spaceship that you first start off in, it just feels very thrown together, which is what Red Dwarf as a ship is, and the, the whole feel mm. of, of the show. And A the, bit dilapidated and derelict. Yeah, the mundanity in Red Dwarf, it's that they work for the Jupiter Mining Corporation, which is, yeah, they're out in space on this enormous spaceship, but they're just mining. It's just 
run-of-the-mill everyday stuff and that's what this game feels like yeah we're out in space but actually we're just doing it just because it's uh we're exploring and you know yeah so what and the fact that the, the company is the fourth best one it, they're a bit yeah you know a bit uh slipshod mm, that's the wrong word isn't it a bit ramshackle ramshackle that's the one yeah so red dwarf it has that ramshackle element mm. and so so do they and the whole the whole thing is set around this idea that they're the fourth best they aren't nasa and they know it and they play into that all the game plays into that i guess the voice that narrates what you're doing is quite similar to, to holly in red dwarf 2 thinking about it yeah there is an element of that like dry holly, humor yeah holly was always very dry wasn't he and mm. Yeah, I think I think so. More so though, I think you're talking about like the your companion, aren't you? The one that yeah. talks you through things. So she reminds me this that character reminds me more of um, Glados from yes. Portal. Yeah, again because there's that dry sense of humour that actually in Portal Two it was what's his name, Ga- uh, Stephen Merchant. Stephen Merchant, yeah. yeah. So they really played into that, and and again, I think in terms of humour, there's a there's a link there between Red Dwarf, the Britishness of, of what they do, and and how Stephen Merchant was implemented in uh, Portal. I think that's uh, that's a really astute thing to come up with the link to Red Dwarf. I I hadn't really thought about it myself, but I now that you've put it out there, I think you're completely right. And I think it's a game as well. We've mentioned the humour in the first half, but now that I've played it, I think it's done so well. And we've talked mm. about this before, but humour in games, I feel, is so clunking a lot of the time. Whereas so in often this, it can fall it, flat. Yeah. Whereas in this, it feels so natural. And it, it, it ingratiated me into the game world a lot more because yeah. it just felt so... Its tongue was in its cheek, but not... Yeah. Not stupidly so. So slapping the puffer bird then, that I struggle to make sound funny. It is actually quite funny, isn't it? The way that it's implemented yeah. in, in the game. You, you go into this cave and there's it's this harmless little... It's not cruel. <laughs> no, not at all. There's this harmless little creature and the only option you have to do is, is to slap it about a bit. And it, it's quite yeah. out, out of nowhere. It's quite quite funny. Yeah. So yeah, I, the thing that, that struck me sort of listening to you play the game is just how laden this game is with um it seems like it's laden with references so uh, we talked about red dwarf we talked about portal and um we've talked about metroidvania games we've talked about all these other things and it feels like i think one of the reasons that it feels so welcoming and warm at least to me and and it seems to you is because it it's familiar in a mm. in a pleasant way yeah it's homely in a pleasant way uh, but it does also then present it the way it presents itself it makes itself unique i think or or certainly does a better job in terms of presentation than other things that do it in a similar manner so case in point for me was the outer worlds which i don't know if i mentioned in the first half i bought the outer worlds and savage planet on the same trip to the shop right uh, earlier this year and i chose to play the outer worlds before savage planet because I thought Outer Worlds would service what I liked in the game more than than Savage Planet. At the and time. do you now feel it that, turns that out was I was the wrong? wrong. Yeah, mm, absolutely, completely wrong. But also, even more emphatically wrong about thinking that the Outer Worlds visually were was more appealing because they both have this same neon alien world aesthetic. Savage Planet just does it so much better. The whole is far better than the whole of the Outer Worlds visually. Mm-hmm. And gameplay-wise, but visually in particular, it just does the exact same thing, but 
but 10 times better, miles better. Yeah, and equally, I got this, as I said in the first half, based on your recommendation. I got this new Super Lucky Star, which I'd wanted for months, and Animal Crossing. And yes. uh, as long-time listeners will know, I got well stuck into Animal Crossing, and that is still my go-to game at the moment. And mm. equally... Maybe that was the wrong decision, I don't know. Well, that is an even harder call. They're so different. I think the thing that struck me with The Outer Worlds and Savage Planet is that they share a number of similarities, and I feel like I made the wrong choice. But if I was comparing it to Animal Crossing, then I'd be a little bit harder-pressed because they service different Mm. needs or different wants, uh, certainly in me. This is more of a game, in inverted commas, than Animal Crossing is. But Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. So the sad thing... I think about this particular game is that I'm expecting there won't be a sequel or at least not a sequel that is accessible to you or I because right. Typhoon Studios as I say Typhoon Studios was created by Alex Hutchinson and a handful of others oh, well a quite a quite a number of others from a, a range of high level AAA studios like Ubisoft and uh, Warner Bros Montreal um, and EA in 2017 they put this game out and that was this year and then they were acquired by Google Stadia to be oh. a Stadia studio, which means that if they, if they do make anything in the future, it will be Stadia exclusive in all likelihood. And I have no interest in, at all. Seemingly, in the same way that everybody else has no yeah. interest, I have no interest in getting Stadia or getting involved with Stadia. So were they acquired based on strength of this game? Were they acquired I, to make I a think sequel so, or, yeah. so, or just to do whatever they want for just purely for google i think that the idea is that they create they they got together in 2017 and by 2020 so within three years they had a really strong showcase of their talent in the form of this game because it really is every aspect every facet of this game sound design graphic design level Mm. design everything about it i can't think of anything really to complain about well actually I've got one thing. It's actually the final thing on my list that you might, if you were a certain type, be able to complain about, but isn't a complaint for me. But beyond that, yeah, I think they just saw such a strong showing in this that that Google thought, well, they maybe will be able to help us push Stadia and snapped them up, which is unfortunate. Change to Savage Planet, it's hardly going to be a a system seller, is it? Well, let me put it this way. This game is probably one of the best games I've played this year. Yeah. So there you go. You know, I was being a bit derogatory then. I completely agree. It's really mm. good. But had you not put it on my radar, I don't think I'd have been made aware of this game. No, and is that not a shame? Yeah, and that's exactly what I was about to say. On the Epic Games Store, for example, I noticed last mm. week that Journey Savage Planet was available there. And I think it was down to £7. Really? Yeah, last Jeez. week. I'm sure it was. Yeah. And the, you know, for it to have been for a game that has come out this year to have already gone to essentially bargain basement prices. I mean, when it came to Switch, I bought it for I think twenty four pounds, which for a Switch game is is very reasonable. I don't know yeah. what the the pricing is on other consoles or whatever, but well, my I point bought is it that at the beginning of the year for twenty. So yeah, that it it seemed to go fairly quickly off the radar. Yeah, I wonder what I don't, I just don't understand why. I really don't understand why, because it is, without sounding like a stuck record, it is fantastic. Really, really fantastic. There's so much that you haven't seen as well. So have I mentioned Traversal? We talked a bit about it in terms of the, the proton grappling hook type thing and the way yeah, that so the levels I, are stuffed, etc. I think, I think I got sidetracked, because what I wanted to say, one of the things that I want to say, it's on my list, it's number four, was that Traversal actually in this game is one of the most satisfying Traversal systems that I have experienced. 
not so much in the early game. So where you are right now, you be a, you're able to run, you're able to jump, and you're able to walk or whatever. Mm-hmm. But once you get that grappling hook, and once certain mechanics are introduced, you start to zip around and fly around in ways that are really, really, really satisfying. So I don't think it's too. I don't think it's a spoiler. Are you okay for me to potentially spoil something in the game which isn't really that major? Uh, go on, since it's you. Right. Okay. So I mean, I think you could go on your ship right now and find out about this anyways. So at one point, at some point in the game, you will get a, a thruster, a jump, a jetpack. Right, okay. Thing, so that you can double jump. There you go. Yeah, well, double so, jumping's fairly standard for games. Anyway, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Another thing stolen from other games. You will be able to double jump and, and at some point even triple jump. And you'll be able to use your tether thing to grapple around from place to place. And then there's another element to the tether, the grappling system that they introduce that Oh god, it's just so satisfying when you actually mm. get there and you're doing it, and you're well, flying around from place to place and moving over meters and meters uh, of of distance in in a matter of seconds. It's brilliant, really good. Again, making that link again, it sounds like Arkham Asylum, and that's one of the many things I liked about that game was the yeah. using the bat hook or whatever the the gadget was called to yeah. zip up onto those gargoyles, and then you'd be crouched up on top of them, and then you'd fly off and glide over to this bit of the level and grab. I, I loved it. It's so much more acrobatic than anything in Arkham Asylum, and you, I'm sure, once you get what I'm talking about, you will really enjoy it. It's lovely. So one of the other things that I quite enjoy doing is trying to find paths that I'm not supposed to take in this game. So climbing up a sheer rock face, dangling on my tippy toes on the edge of something just so that I can use my double jump to jump to another place. Trying to find those different paths that don't, that shouldn't really exist, but the game allows for. That's another part of the traversal that I quite enjoy as well. It feels quite freeing and free the way the game is designed in that respect. At risk of being an episode where we just gush over how amazing it is, you said there was one negative on your list. Oh yeah. So again, I don't see it as a negative. So the only negative that I maybe think you could level at the game is the boss levels, not the boss level, the boss fight design, um, which is fairly standard, you know, like here's some targets hit them while you get things thrown at you uh, okay it feels sort of quite route one zelda boss implementation of boss fights telegraphs yeah there's a lot of telegraphing in it however i think that it fits into there's a lot of serenity to play in this game and a lot of just feeling quite relaxing and mm-hmm. being you don't one of the things that i said to you you barely get attacked in this game like most of the animals are harmless and they're there for you to to enjoy find and to enjoy, yeah. And there are some interactions between different animals or, or plants and animals or whatever that are fun as well. But for the most part, you left yourself to just sort of wander around wherever and however you want. Sometimes you will get attacked, and some of those encounters are quite good. The boss fights themselves they feel a bit derivative, and that was one of the things that was leveled at the game. And that's one area that I would maybe agree: boss fights can be derivative at the same time. It fits into the style, I think, of the game and the fact that, you know, it's for the most part a serene experience. So, yeah, not a problem for me, but I can imagine a problem for other people. Mm. They are maybe 10% of the game so far. The majority of my time has been spent not in boss fights. So, you know, no big deal. So just to wrap it up there, then, who would you recommend the game to? If you like any, well, you you and your daughter, it sounds like. Mm. Uh, yeah, already I can have. see us getting restuck really into this, definitely. Yeah, anyone that likes being let off the tether in a big open world to explore. So if you are like a gta if you like that aspect of GTA, not necessarily the... Or, or Red Dead or anything like that, 
you like going out and finding rootling around in tall trees just for the sake of wandering around finding things and discovering things if you if, if that's what you like in a game discovery then this is just a perfect game for you yeah definitely so yeah explorers if you're an explorer if you're an edmund hillary type go for it it's available everywhere as well that's the other thing to say so you just mentioned epic game store it's on epic game store yeah i think it's uh, now available on steam as well i could be wrong but it's available on pc regardless it's available on xbox and actually is part of xbox game pass at least console wise i'm sure it used to be available on pc but i'm not sure it is now i've got it on the playstation you've got it on the switch yeah, so, so yeah wherever you want it you can get it yeah, a plethora of ways to play it. If you can get it for £7, it's a bloody bargain. If you get it for 20 quid, then it's a bargain. It really is, honestly. It's fantastic. Best money I've spent this year. Great. Well, thank you, Ashley, for bringing that. I, I didn't realise it hadn't been picked up very well. Mm, that's the feeling I've got. No, that's, that's fine. If anything, if more people will know about it, because we've talked about it for a little bit, then that, that'll be job done, really. Yeah, definitely. I think that even if it is languishing on Stadia, I'd like to see more of what Typing Studios can do. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, then come and join us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, they're all of them, aren't they? Facebook, yeah. Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. I always yeah. I always think there's one we've forgotten, but there isn't. It's just those four. Yeah, the there four are more, aren't there? What other ones are there? We're not on... We can't be on TikTok. We've talked about TikTok. We're not on TikTok. We aren't not, on TikTok. Not yet. Not yet. No, we're not on TikTok. You can do TikTok. Yeah, I'll do some little, little dance or something. So, yeah, yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week for our 40th episode. Number 40. Yes, we've got a good idea, yeah. Mm. As is tradition, multiples of 10, apart from we did 20, where we forgot about it. But as is tradition with episode <laughs> 10 and 30, we are going to do a game that neither of us have played before, something yeah, out a big of one. the blue. So, yeah, so look out big for that one. one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, and see you later. Bye. Bye.